Our scripture today is from Psalm 78, 1 through 31. Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old, things that we have heard and known, that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from our children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children, that the next generation might know them. The children yet unborn, and arise to tell them to their children so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. And that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. The Ephraimites armed with the bow turned back on the day of battle. They did not keep God's covenant, but refused to walk according to his law. They forgot his work and the wonders that he had shown them. In the sight of their fathers, he performed wonders in the land of Egypt and in the fields of Zon. He divided the sea and let them pass through it and made the waters stand like he. In the daytime, he led them with a cloud and all the night with a fiery light. He split rocks in the wilderness and gave them drink abundantly as from the deep. He made streams come out of the rock and caused waters to flow down like rivers. Yet they sinned still more against him, rebelling against the Most High in the desert. They tested God in their heart by demanding the food that they craved. They spoke against God, saying, Can God spread a table in the wilderness? He struck the rock so that the water gushed out and streams overflowed. Can he also give bread and provide meat for his people? Therefore, when the Lord heard, he was full of wrath. A fire was kindled against Jacob. His anger rose against Israel because they did not believe in God and did not trust his saving power. Yet he commanded the skies above and opened the doors of heaven, and he rained down on them manna to eat and gave them the grain of heaven. Manna ate of the bread of the angels. He sent them food in abundance. He caused the east wind to blow in the heavens, and by his power he let out the south wind. He rained meat on them like dust, winged birds like the sand of the seas, He let them fall in the midst of of their camp all around their dwellings. And they ate and were well filled, for he gave them what they craved. But before they had satisfied their craving, while the food was still in their mouths, the anger of God rose against them, and he killed the strongest of them and laid low the young men of Israel. So much for the opportunity to come into a place like this and worship you, to lift up our praise to you because you are good. You are faithful. God, sometimes it's difficult for us to to even understand how faithful you are because circumstances around us have a tendency to drag us down. And we don't want to be that way today, God. We want to fully enter into your presence and understand who you are and how you have revealed yourself to us and how you you do love us so thank you for loving us and help us god to feel that love as we continue to worship you now through the message that you have for us through your word in jesus name amen amen i invite you to open your bible with me today to psalm 78 
Psalm 78 is a historical psalm. On my YouVersion Bible app devotional this week, I heard Indonesian pastor Dr. Han Dojo say the following, and I quote, Children have never been good at listening to their elders, but they have never failed to imitate them. Man, when I heard him say that, it took me back. I had to take a deep breath. Children have never been very good at listening to their elders, but they have never failed to imitate them. I saw that this week worked out in our vacation Bible school where adults were able to lead children into God's Word and study God's Word. And it's so easy for children to hear words that adults say, but what really matters is the example that they see set before them. Uh, history can be an incredible teacher for us. Um, but listen to this, your honest, authentic, transparent story can even be more incredible. And we're going to see that this morning in Psalm 78. Failures in the past simply warn us of danger that might be prevalent in our present. So the Bible is very clear. One day we will all die. And we're going to leave a legacy. So one question today is, what will our legacy be? What are we going to leave behind to point people toward looking at our life and learning important matter from it? The Bible teaches us how to clearly set an example so the next generation can learn from the model that we set, from the example that we set. So I challenge you today, whatever your age is, whether you're a student or whether you're a middle adult with, with kids or whether you're like me and an older adult, I encourage you to raise the level of your legacy, to understand what your legacy can be. Because today you can make a difference in future generations. Wherever you are in life, it's not too late. It's not too late to realize the legacy that we have to set for those coming up behind us. Psalm 78 is a vivid picture of the power of story. How your story can make a difference. Psalm 78 recounts Israel's past history. And draws from it practical lessons for our future generations. It's the longest of the historical psalms. It's divided into six stanzas. And through the rebellion... And the unfaithfulness of his people, God always has been, is today, and always will be faithful. He is faithful. So we're going to spend three Sundays on this psalm. It sets an awesome standard for sharing the gospel for future generations. So today's generation is asking a big question whether they're asking it verbally, out loud or not, or whether they just are asking it through their actions. The question is this, where is God? And our 
privilege and responsibility of being alive today is to tell the future generation, tell the coming generation where God is. So let's discover how we can do that today. First of all, just three things this morning that are very to the point. And this is so practical and for me, so convicting. And I pray that the conviction of my life comes out through the way I express what God has shared with me through this psalm today. First of all, admit past mistakes. We see this in verses 1 through 8 of Psalm 78. This stanza, verses 1 through 8, gives a preamble to the history surveyed in each of the following stanzas, the seven other stanzas in this psalm. And each stanza introduces a failure of the past to be avoided at all cost in the present. Verse 1 says, Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from old, things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. We will not hide from them and from their children, but tell them to the coming generation. That's the key. That's the key to what God is saying to us today. We will not hide them from their children, but tell them to the coming generation, the glorious deeds of the Lord and His might and the wonders that He has done. So it's critical, according to this psalm, that believers share the awesome deeds of God with the next generation. As we travel through this psalm, I want us to honestly ask ourselves, what has God done? And the psalmist takes us directly, like an arrow to the redemptive story of God. Look at verse, eight, uh, verse 5. He says, He established a testimony in Jacob. What is he saying? God is faithful. He took nobody, he took a nobody person, a nobody nation, and created a testimony in their life. He's faithful. He appointed a law in Israel which He commanded our fathers to teach their children that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their, their children so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God but keep His commandments. Now every Hebrew who sang this psalm or heard this psalm and it was used often in liturgies in Hebrew history, understood the command that God had given. God's commands were for the benefit of all mankind. They were for the benefit of all creation. The Shema, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. Reads like this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you're walking along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands. And bind them to your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. What is he saying? He's saying that it's critical that we make 
such a big deal of God and how much we're committed to Him and how much we are in relationship with Him and stay in touch with Him that we don't go anywhere without an awareness that God is with us, that God is leading us, that our lives are in sync with the life of God. That's what the future generation needs to hear, and that's what future generations need to see in our lives. So tell your story so that the future generations will not forget the works of God in your life. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ here today, you have a testimony. You have a story of a life before coming to know Christ. You have a story of how you came to know Christ. You have a story of the change that Christ has made in your life. And the greatest privilege in life is to be changed by the mercy of God and the grace of God. And then tell somebody else about that story. How God has exchanged your sin for His forgiveness. How God has taken your life headed away from God. And reconnected with you through His shed blood. And turned your life toward knowing Him and following Him and making all of life about Him. You have a story. And so tell your story so the future generation will not forget the works of God in your life. There's a warning here. Look at verse 8. That they should not be like their fathers. A stubborn and rebellious generation. A generation whose heart was not steadfast whose spirit was not faithful to God. See, there's there's two sides to this life coin. You either know God, and you've received His grace and mercy, or you're an enemy of God. You've rebelled against Him. If you know Him, then from generation to generation, tell that story. Hebrew fathers blew it. They failed to keep these commandments, the Bible says. They failed to be faithful to God by living and telling the story. So there's a warning here for us not to fall into that trap. Someone once said, we either learn from our mistakes or we're doomed to repeat them. And that is so true. Seminary professor and teacher Dr. Howard Henrik said... You teach what you know, but you reproduce who you are. So what kind of message is coming from your life and my life today? Are we being faithful or are we like these Hebrews and being unfaithful to doing, trusting God and, and sharing the witness that He's born within us? I believe that the gospel is the only way to transformation that will change the eternity of people who matter to you. There are people in your life, students, there are people in your circle of influence that when you go back to school, they will be looking at you as a model, as an example. Parents, your children wake up every day and they they listen to you, they learn from you. Grandparents, your, your children 
or learning from your actions. And it's imperative, it's imperative that we set an example for them that reproduces who we are in our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That they see that in our life so that they can clearly follow our example. And that's the way the gospel transforms the next generation by you being willing to share how God has transformed you. The gospel. What is the gospel? Well, the gospel is is God's redemptive story. It's God's personal love letter to you. God said, I love you so much, even though you've rebelled against me. I want to forgive you. My arms are open wide for you to run back to me. The gospel is that God created you to be his image bearer. To know Him and to love Him and to walk in life with Him. And even though you rejected Him, He came to this earth and lived as a man. The gospel said Jesus lived a perfect life. The gospel says that that Jesus sacrificed His perfect life to shed His blood to pay the price for the penalty of your sin. What does that mean? That means that even though I've run away from God, He still loves me. His arms are open wide to receive me back if I will simply put my faith in Him and trust Him. Because on the third day, Jesus didn't stay in that tomb. He arose from the grave on the third day. That's the gospel. He overcame the greatest fear, the greatest enemy that you and I have in life. And we can celebrate that not just by experiencing it, trusting Him in faith, To set us free from our sin and save us for eternity. But also to give us the opportunity and the privilege to share the story that he's planted inside of us. So admit your past failures and learn from them. Now, I know many may be here who haven't heard the story. You may be a victim. Your parents maybe haven't shared that story with you. Maybe you come from a generation where the gospel was not shared. Well, the good news is you have an opportunity to break that unhealthy cycle. And if you don't break that unhealthy cycle, you're doomed to repeat it. So admit your past failures and let God begin to transform the future generation through you, even if you were let down in the past. Give your life to Jesus today. And then let Him take your life and turn your life into a vehicle for the future generation to know the grace and the goodness of God. So how do you tell the next generation where God is? Secondly, admit rebellion against God. Admit rebellion against God. Verses 9 through 16, the Bible says the Ephraimites, armed with a bow, turned back on the day of battle. They did not keep God's covenant, but refused to walk according to His law. Now, Ephraim was one of the twelve sons of Jacob, who later became Israel. 
God gifted this particular tribe with excellent marksmanship in archery. That's why verse 9 says the Ephraimites armed with the bow. Their job was to lead Israel into battle, lead Israel into conquest. They were to trust God and not turn back in battle. And they failed to trust God and follow through with persisting in battle. When the going got tough, they bailed out. And this became not only the story of Ephraim, but it became the story of Israel. The, the Psalms, especially Psalm 78, is a song that was sung. And interchangeably in this song, we're going to see in the next uh, two weeks after today, we're going to see that Israel and Jacob and Ephraim were interchangeable, defining the, the, the terms of the Israelites. So this became the story of all of Israel. Ephraim and ultimately all of Israel failed in trusting God in the normal battles of life. What about you and me? What kind of disposition do we show when battles come up in our life? Are we trusting God and are we faithfully taking ground that He gives us to take in our personal lives? If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, for example, God has given you a spiritual gift. And that spiritual gift that He's given you is to be used to build up the church and to impact the kingdom. He's given you a spiritual gift. Are you being like Ephraim? Are you turning back in the time of battle? Or are you willing to go forward? Because today is the day of battle. It's time for you and me to put our gifts to work for the kingdom of God. So that we can make a difference in impacting this world. But there's a warning here. The warning is to remember all that God has done. The beginning of rebellion is when we forget what, what God has done. Look at verse 11. They forgot His works and the wonders that He had shown them. In the sight of their fathers, He performed wonders in the land of Egypt and the fields of Zoan. So Zoan was the place where Moses encountered Pharaoh with God's message. To let his people go and free them from 400 years of slavery in Egypt. God had a better plan for Israel than to remain in slavery. God has a better plan for you than for you to remain enslaved in sin. But God sent Moses and spoke through Moses and Aaron... To tell Pharaoh to let his people go. And Pharaoh had a stiff heart. And ten times Pharaoh failed to listen to the message of God. God sent plague after plague after plague. Ten plagues to get Pharaoh's attention to let the Israelites go. And what did they do? They, Pharaoh rebelled and would not listen. How could anyone not remember? How could anyone forget what God did to let his people go? But that's not all. Look at verse 13. Then he divided the sea and let them pass through. He made water stand like a heap. 
Verse 14, In the daytime He led them with a cloud, and all, night, all the night with, fi- with a fiery light. He split rocks in the wilderness and gave them drink abundantly as from the deep. He made streams come out of the rock and caused waters to flow down like rivers. And what did the Bible say? They forgot about what God had done. What a story. How how could someone ever forget miracles like that? Rebellion against God begins by forgetting God's mighty deeds. So what are some symptoms of rebellion against God today? What about worshiping created things rather than worshiping the, the true and living God? You understand you worship what you value. Where, where you spend your time and your money is what you really worship. And our generation today could be guilty of worshiping created things instead of worshiping God. Another symptom of rebellion against God might be ignoring God altogether. We wake up in the morning, we go through the day, we never even think about God. Talking about rebellion, after all God has done for you and me, after providing His mercy and His grace to set us free from the penalty of our sin, how could we go through a day ignoring Him? Another symptom might be craving the approval of other people rather than living to please the true and living God. Another symptom of rebellion against God includes judging people, maybe even trying to control people. On and on and on we could go. My point is, are you willing today to be honest and admit rebellion against God? Rebellion against God is sin that separates us from God. So admit rebellion against God so future generations will not forget God. You have a story. Either God has changed your life or He hasn't changed your life. And if He has changed your life, then be willing to admit your rebellion so the future generations will not forget God. The Ephraimites blatantly disobeyed God. That's serious. God told them not to turn back in the day of battle. They turned back in the day of battle. We need to remember, though, that that partial obedience is total disobedience. And if God has set us free and commissioned us to tell the future generation, there's a warning here. That we not fail to tell our future generations. Where does that start? Well, it starts in the home. It starts in the home. The church has the task of assisting parents to teach children in the home about the ways of God. The home is the starting place for teaching truth about the gospel. And that's a serious responsibility. So in order to authentically tell the next generation where God is, we have to admit if we haven't done that. And then be willing to repent and change and start in the home. Sharing gospel truth with those who are closest to us. 
We admit our past mistakes. We admit rebellion against God. And then how do you tell the next generation where God is? Well, thirdly, we admit ingratitude. We see this in verses 17 through 31 of Psalm 78. Verse 17 says, Yet they sinned still more against Him, rebelling against the Most High in the desert. God had led them out of, had led Israel out of bondage in Egypt, began to lead, roll back the Red Sea for them to walk across on dry ground, closed the sea on the Egyptian army to wipe them out in pursuit of Israel. And yet they still sinned still more against him. God had displayed his his presence and his power by leading his chosen people out of Egypt. But ingratitude destroyed their faith in God. Once again, can we make a personal application to this? Has God led you out of bondage to sin? If he has, how are you showing gratitude for what he has done for you? Verse 18, they tested God in their hearts by demanding the food they craved. They spoke against God saying, can God spread a table in the wilderness? Do you see the the ingratitude oozing out of God's people here? It's amazing what a little bit of discomfort can bring out of your heart. What, What happens is when you're squeezed by circumstances of life, the heart is exposed And that's a good thing. But ingratitude demonstrated that these people had faithless hearts in God. And I pray that that is not the condition of your heart. Verse 20 says, He struck the rock and water gushed out and streams overflowed. Can He also give bread or provide meat for His people? Entitlement. God's people felt entitled. Look what He had done for them, and then He provided water for them, and then He provided food for them, and they always wanted more. Are you aware that entitlement is a curse on any generation, especially with regards to God's people? Ingratitude just demonstrates the heart of entitlement. And look at the results of entitlement. Verse 21, Therefore, when the Lord heard, He was full of wrath. A fire was kindled against Jacob, and anger rose against Israel, because they did not believe in God and did not trust His saving power. Wow. I pray that's not you today. I pray that you would not be in this number that does not believe in God and does not trust His saving power. The wrath of God is so misunderstood today. The wrath of God is always justified. It's actually a sign and a part of God's great love for mankind. Ingratitude of God's people led God to demonstrate His love by expressing His wrath. I 
heard a story recently by Dr. Henry Cloud, who is a psychologist. He had an appointment with a man and his son. They came to see him, but the man came alone. The son wasn't with him. Dr. Cloud tells the story that when the man came in, Dr. Cloud said, where's your son? He says, well, he's, he's not here. He said, well, why are you here? He said, I'm here because my son is rebellious. He's taking drugs. He's hooked on drugs. He won't work a job. He's lazy. He said, well, where is he? He said, well, he's skiing in Colorado. Dr. Cloud said, well, it sounds to me like your son doesn't have any problems. <laughs> sounds to me like you have a lot of problems, but your son doesn't have any problems. He said, I can help you, but I can't help your son. He doesn't have any problems. He has money. He, has, and he can go anywhere he wants to, anytime he wants to. He doesn't have to work because you take care of him. He said, I think the problem starts with you giving him some problems. <laughs> and that's the way... When, when we react the way Israel reacted, the ingratitude of God's people demonstrates the fact that God has to show He loves us by giving us some discipline. Discipline is a good thing, parents. If you don't discipline your children, you're saying you really don't love them. And God's wrath and God's judgment is a part of His great love for us. And we're going to look at that some more in the next couple of weeks. But every generation must learn to be grateful to God on God's terms. The psalmist warned his people not to fall into the trap of the past. Your heart and my heart is self-centered. We're selfish. God has the big picture in mind. He helps the next generation learn from the mistakes of the past when those who have been transformed by the gospel will share the goodness of the Lord with our future generations. This story continues in verses 23 to 31. We see a disastrous picture here. God opened up the doors of heaven and He rained down manna for the children of Israel to eat. He rained down, uh, opened up the south wind to blow quail in, to blow meat in for his, his, his children to eat meat and have plenty of bread, plenty of meat, plenty of water. He supplied the food of angels, the Bible says, for them. But look at verse 30. Before they had satisfied their craving, before they had satisfied their craving. While the food was still in their mouths, the anger of God rose against them, and He killed the strongest of them and laid low the young men of Israel. Sad picture. The more generous and gracious God was, the more Israel rebelled. God knew the hearts of His people. They felt entitled. They forgot God. They forgot the goodness of God. They expressed ingratitude toward God. Their hearts were not faithful. They were not grateful to God. So what about you and me today? Philippians chapter 3 verse 19 says, To their end is destruction. Their God is their belly 
They glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. I, I don't know that there could be a clearer picture of the 21st century in North America than that. Their God is their belly. They glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. So let me ask you today, what, what about you? How grateful are you? Are you experiencing God's faithfulness? Have you trusted Him for your personal salvation? Have you admitted that you're a sinner and turned away from your sin and given your life totally to making all of life about Jesus, which God is clearly offering you to do? And if that's true about you, are you sharing so the next generation can know the truth, can know the gospel? The next generation deserves to have an opportunity to have faith and gratitude to God, in God, through Jesus. Proverbs 16, 18 says, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. What are, what are some symptoms of pride and ingratitude? Well, listen to these symptoms. One might be thinking you deserve better than you're getting. Being covetous and not appreciating the little things of life. Seeing yourself better than others. Being obsessed with getting. Not being a faithful, cheerful giver. Living like God has done nothing for you. Holding grudges against God. Holding grudges against other people. These are just some symptoms of, of ingratitude. Of prideful living. And ingratitude was and will and always will be harshly judged by God. So because of ingratitude... God's anger rose against His people. God's anger rose against Israel. Verse 22 is the key. Because they did not believe in God and did not trust His saving power. Oh, how I pray that that's not you today. I, I pray, I urgently pray that you are not rejecting faith in God. I earnestly pray that you are Trusting His saving power. I remember one of the most painful conversations that I ever had in my life was with a younger brother of mine. I sat across his dining room table. He had lost his driver's license because of multiple DUIs. I said, man, I, I love you too much to let you keep living this way. Please, let us help you. Unfortunately, he refused. It cost him his health. I pray that as you hear God calling you to himself today, as God's Holy Spirit might be convicting your heart of the fact that you've, you've, you've never, you haven't forgotten God because you've never known him, that you will give your life to him today. Say yes to him. Say yes to Him. 
Admit ingratitude. Repent of any hint of ingratitude. Admit rebellion against God. Admit past mistakes so that the next generation will have a chance to live in gospel truth. And that's my prayer for believers and unbelievers here today. If you've not yet believed, then open up your life to believe. If you have become a believer in Christ, share your story for the next generation. The story of Israel, unfortunately, is still the story of today for most people. You've rebelled against God. Never forget that. Your sin separates you from God. Never forget that. You need to live in His presence. God knows everything about you. And He still loves you. Somebody said in our small group this, this week, nobody can ever do anything that will make God love you any less or make God love you any more. He loves you for who you are. So put your trust and faith in Him today. He came to this earth and became one of us. Never forget that. He lived a perfect life. Never forget that. And He became the only acceptable sacrifice for your sins. Never forget that. So your role is to believe. And then to share what He's done for you so the future generation can know. Never forget that. Tell the next generation. Three things, real quickly, by way of application today. First of all, trusting God has great benefits. What are some of those benefits? Well, the the greatest one is your salvation. And then, in addition to that, you have the benefit of having God's peace. You don't have to be afraid. He gives you peace when you trust Him. And then along with that, He gives you a life that's worth living and a life that's worth sharing. So trusting God has great benefits. Secondly, Failure to trust God has devastating consequences. Devastating consequences. You cannot even imagine what eternity will be like being separated from God in hell. Because that's the consequence of rejecting God. While you're living here on this earth, you live in a life of fear. What if I get this? What if I get that? What if this happens? What if that happens? What if the economy does this? A life of fear. A life of frustration. So failure to trust God has devastating consequences. And then finally, the gospel changes lives when it is shared. And when it's received. Your responsibility is to share. You can't make somebody receive the gospel. But the Bible says in Romans chapter 10 and verse 13, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So faith comes by hearing, verse 17, and hearing through the word of God. Some of you did a great job this week in vacation Bible school sharing the good news of the gospel with children. Way to go. Thank, thank you. If, if you were here this week serving, thank you so much. What a great job. 
to tell the future generation. I pray that we'll all take that outside the confines of this church and take it into our homes and be faithful sharing family devotions and family prayers and family activities together that point toward the faithfulness of God. Next week or so, we're going to provide for every family in this church an opportunity to have a a study guide for doing family devotions. And I, I trust and pray that because that's where it starts. It starts in the home. In the home. And I trust that you will take us up on the opportunity to begin to tell the next generation so that they will know the faithfulness of God. Are you willing to invest in someone else's story? I was in a restaurant this past week with a friend of mine, pastor friend of mine, and a guy came up to me and tapped me on the shoulder and said, Ronnie, I just have to say thank you. Uh, you shared the gospel with me, and it, it, it changed my life, and you shared with my wife and me, and it saved our marriage, and our, our family is doing great today. Thank you so much for sharing the gospel with us. He left, and I made sure he was gone. I looked at my friend across the table. I said, I have no idea who that was. No idea. But I know this, the gospel's not about me. It's about the power of God to transform lives. Starts in your heart, continues in your home, continues in your circle of influence, and permeates out through the world. That's the way it works. God, thank you today for giving us a life and a story worth, worth sharing. Thank you for providing salvation for the separation that we have created between us and you because of our sin. And today I pray that you'll give us a confessional heart. Help us to admit that we have rebelled against you. Help us to admit that in our sin we have not been grateful. And God, all I can say is, please forgive us. And as we confess our sin before you, thank you for forgiving us of our sin and cleansing us from all unrighteousness and setting us free to tell the story with our future generations. And we celebrate that now as we continue to worship you in Jesus' name. Amen.